We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Pack-A-Day Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast welcome into the wednesday edition of the pack a day podcast i'm steve perich joined as always by dusty evely sarah kelleher what is going on guys week two is here thank goodness because i mean it was bad it was bad it was bad but uh, before we dive in, Sarah, what's going on with you? How was the game? How are you doing today? What's going on? With, what's going on in Florida? I mean, the game sucked. Like <laughs> that was just not fun to watch at all. But the actual atmosphere of the game, actually being able to go to a Packers game again, that was all really awesome. So despite the result and the poor performance, I had a really great time. Same crew that is going to go up for the game in Green Bay in October went to this game um for week one so it was kind of like a nice warm-up to um lambo and going all out for lambo and hopefully having a different result but it was just great to be at a packers football game again but yeah i mean you kind of already said it steve i'm just glad it's week two because i want to forget about week one as quickly as possible (laughs) dusty how you doing I'm doing good. Yeah, I was not at the game, but uh, actually, you know, went went and sat at a patio to watch it. And I got there uh, like a little, uh, probably about midway through the second. And uh, I, I didn't know what had happened up until that point. I knew the Packers were down. I kept talking myself into like, oh, man, they can turn this around. And, and then they did not. Um, see, I'm, I'm choosing to look at it as the fourth preseason game uh, right sure. now. It's kind of that's how I'm living right now. It counted officially, but it's the fourth preseason game. So. Yeah, I mean, certainly some some things for concern, but man, it was you know for for an hour before the game, I was hyped, man, because football <laughs> was back, and then it turned real, real quick. But it, it was nice to have like actual football, like beyond even just the Packers game, man. Like we got the got a banger of a Raiders game the other night. That Raiders Ravens game was amazing. Like we got some, you know, the Packers game was terrible. We got some good football this weekend, so it's it's nice to have football back. Yeah, I. Um... There was some good football. I mean, the Vikings-Bengals game got interesting at the end. Like, that was mm-hmm. a lot of fun. 
But yeah, um, but we're we're just gonna jump in. I want to get your biggest takeaway from the game in a new segment for any time the Packers lose a game. So it's your takeaway from the loss, and I'm gonna call this segment. What in the literal f- was that? I was not <laughs> expecting that. I, I know. I, was- I know. I wanted to say that, again. This would be the amazing time if both if if you, you listeners and this was a video podcast, so you guys could see Sarah's face and Dusty's face of like the eyes bulging of like did he did he, did he, ma- did he mean goodness. to say that? No, I well, wanted I, just- the re- I wanted the reaction. That's what I always want from you guys. So I love how you're like, oh, we're going to introduce a new segment, but you <laughs> didn't even run the new segment by the other two people that you do the podcast with, and you're just like, here's the new segment. I mean, I'm no, fine. I it, did. I, I did. It, it was funny. it was takeaways. I just didn't tell you how I was going <laughs> to introduce it. <laughs> fair. That's fair. All right. So, Sarah, what was your big takeaway from the uh, week one game against the, uh, the 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 crap show that it was? I mean, beyond that, everything sucked. I think my biggest takeaway is that this team cannot take anything for granted and that they need to prepare properly for every single game. Um, we heard a lot of talk you know, in the offseason about how they're hungry and that they know what's at stake and that they want to bring home a Super Bowl and all of this. And I think all of that is great. And that's absolutely what they should be thinking. But they can't think that to the point where it's like, we're just going to do that. Like they really have to work towards that and prepare every single week. And it was a little shocking to me that in week one, where it's finally the week that everyone's back, the week that it matters, the week that most of the starters finally got to play for the first time because they didn't play in preseason. And there was just this lack of energy. So I'm hoping that it's kind of a blessing in disguise and that maybe they'll remember this and say, we cannot let that happen again. It's week one. We got it out of this of our system. Luckily, everybody else in the NFC North lost too. So as far as a division standpoint, you know, this this doesn't have a huge impact. You know, I know it does for the NFC and the larger picture of the NFC, but for the NFC North does not affect the Packers in a, in a huge way. So my kind of takeaway is I'm not panicking yet. If the Packers come out on Monday night next week and they look the same or still look sluggish, that is when I will be concerned because the Saints are a good team. They have a good defense. They have a good coach. They're always in the talks of you know being a contender. They're never really the contender, but they're always up there. If the Packers come out on Monday Night Football at Lambeau Field at home and look bad against the Lions, then I will start to be a little more concerned. So right now, I, I think it'll be okay. I have a good feeling that next week it's going to be a total 180 and the Lions are just going to be victim to just an absolute you know, Aaron Rodgers revenge game, but I'm not going to panic and I'm not going to get upset, but talk to me again in a week because if they suck against the Lions, (laughs) so help me God. Um, But that's really it. I think the biggest thing is preparation. They looked unprepared for that game in every area. um, And there really wasn't anyone that was like, well, they, they were okay. You know, they did all right. It was just, I mean, Mason Crosby had a really good kickoff to start the game. That's mm-hmm. that's true. That was good. But that was good. He made his field goal attempt. It was a rough one, mm-hmm. but again, Sarah Kelleher is not panicking until the Packers look bad against the Lions. 
Dude, did you, you really refer to yourself in the third person? Wow. I did. That's wow. how serious I am about this. Sarah, Kelle- Sarah Kelleher thinks she's big time now, apparently. Yeah, it's called no. driving your point home, Steve. That's exactly what <laughs> Thank you, Dusty. <laughs> and scene. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of that same stuff for me. I mean, it is... Um, it was concerning to see them uh, play like they did for sure. And that's, I mean, especially, you know, we ran down last week, all of the kind of all the advantages that they, that they seem to have on offense with the, the, especially with, you know, those corners and, you know, Lattimore was questionable. He ended up playing. I think he played with a cast and then the other side, it was, was it's Paulson Adebo on the other side. It's rookie Paulson Adebo. And, and I can't even remember who the other guy was going to be because uh, Adebo played the outside essentially. And you know, that, that, that line doesn't look great because they're missing a couple pieces and like all of this stuff. And they've got, you know, Jameis, but they're missing I mean, Jameis, you know, I, I've cracked on Jameis, but like he's a talented guy and under a good coaching staff, you can see where he put that stuff together, but they're missing Mike Thomas and they didn't have the regular receiving crew and it's so all they need to do is hold down Camara. Well, they didn't hold down Camara. And then like, I mean, that Packers receiving crew, like zero separation and Chauncey Garner Johnson's good. I know he, he plays slot a lot. He was kind of drafted as a safety out of Florida and he played in the slot a lot. Uh, last year as well, I think the bulk of his snaps were in the slot. That that interception, that second interception, he was step for step with MVS down the field, which is really impressive. But like no one was getting, no one was getting a separation against this corner group that you thought they were going to get separation against. And the offensive line couldn't, you know, they did all right, but there was not a whole lot of movement in the run game. But then they had to abandon the run game because they got down because they couldn't really run against those two high looks. And then Rogers couldn't do anything. Like it all just kind of snowballed. And this wasn't if I have one concern, it, this wasn't like the, the Niners games um, where they, where they just completely fell apart against the Niners, where it was everything that could go bad early did go bad, where it was like this, well, you know, they got a, a pretty good gain on first down and then Devonte Adams gets smacked with a really bad penalty. And then they're first and 20 and they got a punt and then the Niners score. And then the next one, they fumble. Like it wasn't, it wasn't like all of this weird snowballing stuff. Like they just couldn't get any traction. So, I mean, that is, that that was a little concerning. Like Sarah said, if they turn in well against the Lions, which I assume they will, um, you know, we have to keep in mind too, you know, some of the the offensive line influx for the first time in what seems like forever, uh, that that kind of led to some of those issues as well. And so if they struggle against the Lions at home on Monday night, yeah, I'll start to be concerned a little bit. But I mean, a blowout's never fun, man. Uh, and especially week one, like it does kind of because you had everything's rosy, man. And Joe Barry, Joe Barry is going to be the answer. And Joe Barry's going to be better than Mike Pettin. And they're going like, to improve on their offensive scheme. And AJ Dillon's going to get involved and all of this stuff. And like none of that stuff looked good. So uh, I'm with Sarah. Like it was, it was not pretty. And there are some causes for concern. Um, but a blowout win against the Lions on Monday night. And you kind of forget about a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me was hopefully this is a wake-up call for the, the coaching staff because it it seemed like they took the playbook from the preseason and were like, hey, let's try that in week one. Let's just run the same stuff and just, you know, not being creative. And, like, it just didn't feel like a Matt LaFleur had his hand, like his thumbprint on that game. Like it just felt very plain. It felt very boring. And Aaron Rodgers is missing throws. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit why he, you know, getting hit in certain areas that cause interceptions. We'll talk about that a little later. But it just, I, I really hope it's a wake-up call. I mean, there was nothing good about the game, the offense, the defense, the special teams, the play calling, I did. You didn't like any of it, so I, I think my biggest takeaway is I really hope this is a wake up call for the coaches as much as it is for the players because that's not 
what this team is built for. And, you know, if they continue to do that, I mean, uh, as much as, you know, everybody's already calling for Joe Barry's head, which doesn't shock me, but also shocks me. I mean, it, it's just things need to change pretty quick for the Packers after that first game. And I, I believe that they will. But my biggest takeaway is everybody hopefully got this wake up call. Like Sarah said early on, better to be that than, you know, go eight and oh, and all of a sudden you get lackadaisical and get blown out of the water at eight and oh, uh, you know, uh, let, let's continue to build from what, from this, uh, from the ashes of week one. So, Sarah, you were able to listen to the Pat McAfee show with Aaron Rodgers today. And I, I, give me some breakdowns. Give me some stuff that you heard, things that you liked, things that, uh, uh, you know, outside of a slide whistle, let us know if that needs to be said <laughs> or anything like that because there were some specifics about where Aaron Rodgers got hit while throwing an interception. So, uh, But it, break it down. What was the show about this week? Yeah, so there was a few interesting takeaways. First and foremost, um, you know, if anyone, I know I saw a few people, Dusty, I think maybe in your newsletter, you even joked about this, saying that Aaron Rodgers needed to shave, cut his hair after this. <laughs> yeah. um, so he didn't cut his hair, but he did shave, was clean shaven. So congratulations to all of you who are wishing for that online. It happened. He's clean shaven. Doesn't look like he's cutting his hair, though. So I know that's just the hard-hitting news and analysis a lot of you were waiting for. So you're welcome. <laughs> uh, first thing I thought that was interesting was that, you know, I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've seen on Twitter that multiple people and sources have reported that Last season, there was also a team that lost to the Saints 38-3 to and that that team went on to win the Super Bowl, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Roger said he got a few of those texts, um, also reminding him that a team lost 38-3 to the Saints last year. Um, and when Pat McAfee and the boys asked him about it, he just said it is making chicken salad out of chicken shit. So there is some hard-hitting analysis from your favorite quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Um, I also thought it was hilarious because when Rodgers came on the show, you know, Pat McAfee always does this big introduction, usually all Aaron Rodgers is the best. He's coming on our show. He's doing this. And before this one, he goes, you know, Aaron Rodgers, the league's rating MVP, this, this, and that. He didn't have the best game this weekend, though. So I thought, <laughs> I thought it was really funny that he threw that in there. Um, and that he felt that he could just be honest with that. Um, another thing um, which Steve alluded to before was that on the first interception um, for Rodgers on Sunday, which really, in my opinion, kind of changed everything. You know, if the Packers score right there, it's 17-10. It's a one-possession game. The offense on that drive looked like they actually had some rhythm and were clicking for the first time all afternoon. And then Rodgers throws that pick. Um, and he said he doesn't typically like to uh, make excuses for interceptions, but that that one was entirely due to the double nut shot that he took. <laughs> um, so a few interesting quotes from Aaron Rodgers today. So that actually does provide some context because when he did throw that interception and after that happened kind of right in front of the area I was sitting in. And when that happened, I saw that. And I was mad that there was an interception. I obviously watched the Saints player run with the ball. And then I look back and Rodgers is laying on the ground and looks like he's in pain. And I just remember that because the first thing I thought was, oh, God, did he get hurt too? <laughs> but then he 
one of the, I don't remember who, somebody on the team helped him up, but he kind of just slowly jogged off the field. So I'm glad that now we have some answers there about what happened to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Pat McAfee also asked him about the second interception, and he said, you know, if I was listening, he's messing with him. If I was listening to the broadcast, I think when you threw that one, I heard you yell F it on TV, <laughs> except he actually said the word. He's like, was that what you said, or did I hear somebody else yell that? And uh, basically just kind of poking fun of Rodgers because it was a very uncharacteristic play. Um, and Rodgers kind of played it off. He didn't really get too deep into that one. Uh, he also mentioned that he watched the Manning segment from Monday Night Football and that he enjoyed it, um, and it reminded him a lot of how you know players watch film and things like that. So I thought that was interesting. He said he usually watches ESPN um, on Monday night on mute, but he actually watched it with the sound on when he realized uh, that they were there and um, the Mannings were doing the broadcast. But that's really it. Uh, Rogers did say he still has the most confidence um, and some of the most confidence he's ever had in a team with this team. And that, you know, that he said, quote unquote, that is why I came back because I'm confident in this team and what they're able to do. And I'm here um, to win. And so I'm hoping that that just means there's an Aaron Rodgers revenge tour coming that again, we, I know a lot of people on Packers Twitter talk about the haters that the haters can just be, really mad and wrong and everything. But um, to wrap it up, you know, there was another book club recommendation um, and that is where men win glory. And it's about Pat Tillman. So Rogers brought it up. He said, you know, not 20th anniversary of nine 11 just passed um, over the weekend. This is a great story that talks about uh, Pat Tillman and just his journey to, um, serving in the military and a little bit about more about his background. Um, so that was the recommendation this week. Um, if you read the book, The Alchemist, last week, let us know. I have not read it, but I've heard really great things about it. I'll just say, too, that Manning segment, tremendous. I've never been a fan of either of those guys, and I watched that broadcast last night. Peyton Manning just so mad every single penalty. They're surprised by every single commercial break. It was <laughs> it, I forgot it was on until like midway through the second, and I flipped over to it. It was tremendous because sometimes it was just like weird, awkward silence. But then they'd kind of they talk through and just like, well, he should have done this and what they're looking for here. And you're looking to take a shot. You're looking for pressure here. Like just that really kind of casual inside the mind stuff was was really really great. So I'm I'm as someone who has never liked either of those guys, uh, I'm really looking forward to that feed going forward. I'm a little sad that they haven't included Kurt Bankert into that uh, with all of his Madden breakdowns and things like that. I think that's just a natural progression for him. Maybe next year that would be a more natural. Well, they were bringing guys on. I don't know if you watched it, Steve. They had well, the uh, first guy was Barkley. I don't have, I like, I don't have cable, unfortunately. I don't, so. I don't care about Charles Barkley. But like they had uh, like Russell Wilson close it out. I didn't love Russell I Wilson. I saw that. But they, yeah. but they had um, – uh, Travis Kelsey was on for a bit and like in between plays or, or even during plays, sometimes they're kind of talking about what he does with Mahomes and that kind of offense and the freedom he has in there and never like really fascinating. So they are bringing other players on. So, you know, maybe, maybe Benkert, um, you know, maybe start Eventually. a, start a petition yeah. for uh, getting Benkert on that. That'd be awesome. I'm definitely not going to start the petition, but I would, sign, oh, I, but I will, I would sign the petition if somebody started it. I might sign it. I just want it to be out there. I just okay. want it to exist, Steve. I'm sure if we put it out into the Packers Twitterverse, you know, that's something that somebody would eventually do, I think. So. Mm-hmm. I agree. 
All right, guys, what we always like to do, um, what we are tasked to do by the Pack-A-Day podcast, talk about the Packers offense versus the defense that they're going to play in this uh, this week. So week two, playing the Lions defense, and we always will go with the one thing that we are looking for, watching for, and, um, yeah, kind of break that down so you guys get a little idea into our heads as to what we're watching when we're watching the game. So, Dusty, I'm going to start with you. What is one thing that you're watching for from the Packers' offense versus this Lions' defense? It's going to be weird to say because I know I, I tend to focus on the passing game, but I'm I'm looking at the run, man. Like they got to get that going. You know, they 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 had a couple attempts early in the game, and really, I mean, the most insane thing there. <laughs> usually, you get you know anywhere usually between nine to twelve uh, possessions drives in a game, uh, something like that. And I think the Packers ended up with nine. But their third possession in this game started with 107 left in the first half. They basically had two drives because the Saints were taking up so much time and they didn't really get anything going. And I think they had four rushing attempts in the first quarter, which I'm not a guy who's all about, you know, get rushing attempts, you get rushing attempts against this Lions defense, man. They need to move people on the ground. I was watching some of this, the Niners game um, from this past week that, and it was just like the Niners weren't doing anything special up front. They were just, it was just, just outside zone blocking, like the first, like the first two plays. It was outside zone and they got the edge. And they, it was against two high lines, had two high guys, uh, two high safeties. They bring one high the next time, they go outside zone, run up the middle, and both those plays went for over 10 yards. That third one, they adjust outside zone and then it was just an easy bootleg flip to Kittle. So it was like they had 30 plus yards on their first three plays just because they were just killing on the ground to begin with. They were just, they were establishing the run game getting it going, making them respect it. And the Lions don't really have the horses. I mean, I was going to say up front, but really anywhere on that defense to do much. They were uh, 32nd last year per football outsiders DVOA. I think they were 27th against the run. They didn't really add anybody. Uh, and they were just, I mean, again, I think that, and this will be, I think a good test of where the offensive line is at. So it's the running game, but it's also where the offensive line is at. Uh, the, the Niners have a good offensive line. But again, they weren't doing a whole lot of power stuff. It was just straight outside zone stuff and just bullying the Lions off the off the off the ball. So the Packers are going to need to do that, man. Uh, you know, establish a run game, get AJ Dillon involved, get Aaron Jones involved. Just and and they should have success with that. There was just huge holes in the Niners' defense. So if I'm looking, I mean, one thing I'm looking for it's the run game. I mean, especially you know, it'd be easy to say Aaron Jones because I do want to say Aaron Jones. But man, after last week, I want some bully ball. Man, just give me AJ Dillon. Just give me AJ Dillon on some of those outside zone runs. I mean, give both of them in the backfield if you want to. That's fine. I'm not a picky man, but just AJ Dillon, just with a head full of steam down at a line that is hopefully getting manhandled, and just I mean. From the beginning, set that tone because now that opens from there. If they have to overreact to that, and they will, if you get that going, that passing game just becomes so much easier. You run them out of too high. I mean, they, they were loading seven, eight guys in the box, and the Niners were still moving guys in that first half. So just commit to the run, which I think they would have done against the Saints. And again, the game just got away, got away from them. But that's what I'm going to be looking for. Looking for establishing the run game, just that simple, some of the stuff. And they, they did try some power stuff against the Saints that we didn't really see a whole lot last year. And it, it actually worked fairly well. Just, you know, game got away from them. So just look for them to establish the line of scrimmage with that run game, get something going against the Lions, and just don't let up, man. So that's that's my, my one thing I'm looking for, just A.J. Dillon just bullying people. Sarah, what about you? So I took a look at um, – I had a similar thought to Dusty as far as the, the Lions didn't really add much to their team. So essentially, you know, I, they added Packers players. So that, that was the main thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we're, if we're looking at the defensive side of things for the Lions, you know, 
not a lot has changed since last season. Um, and I took a look at the two games from last year. And as far as the Packers offense, they're very unbalanced. So the September 20th, 2020 game uh, was all about the run. That's when Aaron Jones came out week two. He had a great game, 18 carries, 168 yards, two touchdowns. Jamal Williams uh, had eight carries and 63 yards. Uh, Aaron Jones also um, led the team in receiving. So Aaron Jones was very involved. Um, They relied on the run a lot. Then when they played the Lions December 13th of last season, it was all about the pass game. So Devontae Adams has seven receptions for 115 yards and a touchdown. MBS has six receptions for 85 yards and a touchdown. And then Tunyon has five receptions for 86 yards and a touchdown as well. So second time they played, it was all about the pass. First time they played, it's all about the run. So what I'm looking for is how are they going to balance this out? Because after last week, you have to get moving your entire your, – your entire offense has to get moving. You can't just go, okay, we're going to click on the – um, you know, receivers are, we're going to focus on them this week. No, you have to focus on everything, especially last week after the run was essentially non-existent. The Packers just stopped running the ball after a while. So I'm really going to be looking at how are they going to balance this? How are they going to utilize the players that they have and do it efficiently? You know, Lions are missing people already due to injuries, key players due to injuries. So I think they can attack, um, you know, Deep threat with MVS. Devontae Adams always seems to have good games against the Lions. They don't have a strong secondary. But how do they balance this out? Last year, the Packers were so good because they knew how to balance their offense so well. We, I mean, they were they were essentially unstoppable in the red zone because you didn't know, are they going to you know pass? Are they going to run? Is Aaron Jones going to catch a touchdown instead of you know run for a touchdown? So I'm going to be really focused on the balance. Um, I think... Aaron Jones is is going to be a huge piece in this one. And as much as I'd love to see A.J. Dillon run over people like Dusty said too, and hey, if that happens, I will not be complaining at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they, they really need to balance this offense out this game. This is an opportunity for them to really get settled in. Usually week one is a good opportunity to do that, but they didn't yeah. do anything. So here here's a good opportunity. Prime time, Monday night at home. It's you know essentially the first time they're going to play with a packed stadium um, at home in a long time. And I better hope that that they're motivated after last week. So I'm just going to be looking at that. It's kind of broad, but it is a little weird to look at the two games last year and see that their game plan was very different and that the decisions that they made on offense were drastically different both games. So I'm kind of curious how they're going to balance or if they're going to go run heavy or pass heavy um, in this one. It's going to be, it's something just to look out for and um, be interested in what they're going to do. And then we'll see because they play the Lions twice a year. So what do they do the next time? We don't know. Packers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need as your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices in all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the 
the difference in the purchase price. Personally, I can't wait for that first game back at Lambeau Field, Packers-Lions with fans in the stands again. I've already got my tickets from TickPick, and I'll be there watching Monday Night Football in person. I absolutely cannot wait. Visit TickPick.com slash Packaday today and use promo code Packaday to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is uh, actually fascinating because uh, you would have thought Dusty would have gone with the pass. You kind of <laughs> went in the middle and, and, and you know, suggested both. And I'm going to focus more on the passing game, too, because with Jeffrey Akuda being injured and with a torn Achilles and basically being out for the year, like it, I, I really hesitate saying this because this is exactly the, the <laughs> talking point from the game from the Saints. But again, like this is where Aaron Rodgers should be able to make his money. Like this is taking advantage of a a young uh, secondary. This is being able to do the things that he's supposed to do and has done his entire career. Wasn't able to do it against the saints for various different reasons, but like this is, I agree with everything you guys said. I think the running game is super important to work into the play action. Play action opens up everything for the, you know, the passing game and all cyclical, all working together. But to me, it's Aaron Rodgers. It's it's him getting back to normal. It's him doing the things that he's supposed to do and being the MVP of this team. Because when you get paid $35 million a year, you need to be the man that takes – takes control of this entire offense, let let LaFleur call the plays at work and and take it and run. So I am looking for the Packers offense, specifically Aaron Rodgers in the passing game to really take advantage of a suspect Lions defense. So that is where I am going. Guys, we are doing the over-unders or the prop bets again this year. Uh, I was not here for the first one, so I can't really be held accountable okay. for it. You spent us uh, okay, a score funny. prediction and everything. <laughs> the one time we heard from you that day, your score <laughs> prediction. 
<laughs> no, I told you about I told you about no, Andy. You did. Yeah, I you told did. you about Andy and how I knocked a beer out of his hand. That's true. No, but, you actually tweeted that. Oh. <laughs> So you didn't tell us. That's you true. told everyone. Yeah. No, I told you that. I told you I was going to meet Andy in the first. In the, whatever, whatever, yeah, Sarah. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. You guys, this was your over under, and it was way off. Just because I was wrong as well doesn't mean that it's not my fault. I think we forgot about it until we started recording. That Sarah was like, "Oh crap, we have to do a prop at this show." Yeah, yeah, we had to do one. We were recording, and you had sent us a score prediction, yeah. so I just used that as a reference. So technically, it is your fault, Steve, because that's a good point. That's you a weren't like here. Wow! Wow! Yeah. <laughs> wow! I didn't think there's a way to blame me when I wasn't on the episode. But good job. That's a kudos to you. Good job. That's like corporate America. I, I am very proud of you. You are a full-on adult now. You can blame somebody else while they weren't even here for the thing that you screwed up on so good job sarah i'm very proud of you well done well done well done we all just love each other and are so friendly on the show i mean (laughs) but the over under was uh was it 30 that the over under of 30 could have have been five it doesn't matter it doesn't (laughs) matter could have been three and a half half. doesn't matter Uh, but we all got it wrong we all got it wrong we thought everybody thought the Packers were going to score over 30 points did not happen so we're all sitting at a 1-1 but we've got a fun uh, fun little prop bet now so I I really like this one we got a question from Big B one of the guys from uh, the GOAT the The GOAT Uh, one of the guys from the Underage Packers podcast. And uh, if you're not following him on Twitter, definitely make sure you're doing that, him and uh, and Joey. and But he had a question that when we called out for questions on Twitter about who was going to have a better game, Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams. And that kind of got me thinking. I was like, okay, well, this will be fun because we, you know, we, were, we were bouncing back and forth on ideas of like touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers or – yeah, uh, receiving yards or rushing yards. And I was like, okay, well, what about who has a better game? Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams in total yardage. So passing, receiving, who has the better game yardage-wise, Aaron Jones or Jamal Williams? Because Jamal Williams clearly had the better game week one. Now, different scenarios, all that kind of stuff. But, Dusty, I'm going to start with you. Who has the better game, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams? You know, I was thinking about this a lot. I could easily see it going Aaron Jones. I'm actually going to go Jamal Williams. And, and the reason I'm going Jamal Williams is, like I said, I think I think Dylan's going to get involved. I do think they're going to try to balance those guys a little bit, maybe, you know, 60-40. Not necessarily that clean because I do think Dylan and Jones are going to share the field on some snaps there so as that's well. So that's six, six carries for Aaron six, Jones, four for Dave. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> roughly. Dylan. Um, okay. I think, you know, they may have gone nine this past week, Steve, so your math might be slightly <laughs> off there. But, uh, but yeah, roughly that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I do think they're going to split a little bit more. I think, you know, Dylan – I think Dylan's going to get his touches. I think Jones is going to be – I think, you know, he's going to get his yardage. But I think really, I think going into this, I think the, the Lions, what they're likely going to do, the Packers, I don't know if you guys know this, can't stop the run. Don't know how to stop the run. Don't even know there's a run to stop. And so I think the Lions are going to try to establish that and, and try to, you know, hit that early. And Jamal Williams did have some receiving yards, but I do think they're going to try to lean fairly heavy on the running yards. I think their one big running play did come from DeAndre Swift or a couple other big ones did. But I think Jamal Williams is going to be in there as kind of like an every down guy, both for pass protection and for running. I think he's going to get his chances, get his touches, also a little bit in the passing game. And I think the Lions are just going to try to slow this game down, limit possession. So I think Jamal Williams is going to be a big part of that. Uh, and, you know, and unless the game gets away from him, and then even then Jamal Williams gets touches. So I'm, I'm just think, I think it's going to be close. I could definitely see 
looking back on this in a week and looking real dumb because you know Aaron Jones outgains him by seventy five yards or something. But for now, I'm gonna I'm gonna say uh, Jamal Williams gets more yards. I'm gonna go the opposite and say Aaron Jones, um, just because I'd like to think that I know the Packers suck at stopping the run, but I hope that they could stop the run against someone that was on their own team that they practiced against and played with all the time. So who knows? I'd like to think that maybe they'd know his weaknesses and strengths and that they could use that to their advantage. But after the week one, I'm not feeling confident. But anyways, I think Aaron Jones is going to have a big week. Um, they need to establish the run. We've already talked about this. Um, and week two was arguably one of his best games last year. So I'm just going to stick with that. Um, but it could go either way. I totally agree. But obviously, Dusty and I have different answers. But I agree that at this time next week, and we're talking about the prop bets and the results, I could be like, I should have picked Jamal Williams. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I would like to think that the Packers could at least stop the run maybe a little bit better against someone that they're very familiar with. But who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Fingers crossed, man. Fingers crossed for sure. Cause yeah, that's a, that's a tough ask, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Sarah. I'm going to go with Aaron Jones and I'm going to say, I feel like the Deandre Swift split with Jamal Williams is going to be bigger than the split between Aaron Jones. Like he's seen success against the lions. Uh, I think he, he's got that huge big play ability. And as much as I love Jamal Williams, he's, he's not that big play game breaker. He's not like if Aaron Jones can pull off a 50, 60 yarder, like that could be the thing that sets those two apart. So I will take with I will take Aaron Jones on that. And then that will lead us into our uh, fan questions from you guys. So, uh, as prepared as I am, I'm going to scroll really far down here and then get right to it, <laughs> you know, you know, because I am definitely on top of my game. But first question, Eric Rose, you've got three changes, one personnel, one scheme slash play and one coaching. What would you adjust to prevent the embarrassment from happening again? For me, it's 21 in for 20 <laughs> offensive personnel slash formation di- uh, diversity and kidnap Jim Leonard. Okay. And then Dusty, he also wants to know, did you find where to get the Charles Woodson t-shirt? So first of all, let's start with the Charles Woodson t-shirt, Just Dusty. Yeah, I did. Okay, so Woodson, if you didn't see, Woodson was at that that bonkers ass game against the you know the Raiders and Ravens on Monday night, and Woodson was there. Woodson, like one of the coolest men of all time, hanging out with Mark Davis, decidedly not one of the coolest men of all time. Mark Davis was wearing like a plain white shirt with a white sport coat and white jeans with his bowl cut that he spends like I think he flies to Dallas or something to get his haircut. Anyway, Woodson's there. You know, they win the game. Zay Jones catches that 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 touchdown and everything's going crazy. And Woodson's just raising his glass in the air. And he's wearing this awesome shirt. And it's a shirt of Kentucky. Hey, I live there. And it says bourbon, y'all. Uh, which which is awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. So I made some offhand comment about I gotta get that shirt. And of course, Matt Pickett came through. It's a place called hzmerch.com, and you can buy the the uh, Kentucky. Oh, all that let me guess, let me guess. Thirty-five bucks. You know, I didn't look at the sizes, but right, it's, it looks like twenty three. 
Oh, okay. That's better yeah. than I thought. I yeah. I would have thought the uh, Charles Woodson bump would have gotten it a little higher. You know, I don't know if this is the original one because the actual, like, caption of it says, Kentucky Bourbon Y'all Shirt Charles Woodson Kentucky Bourbon. Now, I guess maybe that is his shirt, I guess, right? Uh-huh. He hey. was drinking wine, but he does have his bourbon. Yeah. Uh, so, that's probably what it is. But, yeah, you can get that at hzmerch.com. Um, okay. So, yes, we did find I didn't find it. Someone found it for me and sent it to me, and then I will take credit for it. Yes, I found the shirt. <laughs> I, me, personally, I found where you can buy the shirt. Uh, All right. Yeah, which, and then, what changes? What changes would you make? Yeah, we talked about this ahead of time, and there's, I mean, there's, there's, it's tough to find like one thing with each of these, but I mean, I will say, um, just not even like scheme play, coaching, whatever. Steve, you kind of alluded to some of this stuff earlier, but like, it just felt, and I didn't, I haven't charted this yet, I don't know, but it just felt so static. Like, I think yeah. they, they predominantly ran out of 11 personnel. Uh, so, you know, one tight end run running back, three wide receivers. They did throw some pony stuff in later. And, you know, maybe part of that's, you know, DeGuar got injured relatively early, I think with concussion. Uh, he was down for a bit. I actually did not end up seeing what his, what his injury was. And Mercedes Lewis was in some, and, you know, they're, they're kind of splitting him. Tony and I know I saw Daphne in there a little bit, but, like, it just seemed like so little motion, so little jet stuff. And we talked about that all offseason. You know, they draft Kylan Hill. And Amari Rogers. Oh man, both of these guys are going to get jet stuff. It just felt like the jet motion they didn't really use a whole lot. And you know, maybe part of that's because they got down and they kind of got out of their game plan early and didn't get to do what they wanted to do because they did get down. But they still it was seventeen three at the half. It's not like they're down thirty points at the half or anything. Like that. You can still run your offense. But it just felt between the shifts, the the personnel diversity, the you know, not not seeing. Now I kind of wanted three tight ends out there at the same time. Give me Mercedes Lewis as the extra offensive lineman essentially and then Tunyon and Daphne at the same time after DeGuara went down I want to give me some pony stuff give me I mean give me 21 uh give, give me you know the two pony and then uh the two running backs and the one tight end give me 12 give me you know the the one running back and the two tight ends and the two wide receivers like you can do a lot of stuff with that we talked about that a bunch like their wide receiver group their offensive group what excited me so much in the offseason is they do have the pieces to be really diverse and just felt so like blah, just not a whole lot of motion, not a whole lot of kind of personnel kind of in and out. Like it just, it just, I just, it, I don't, it felt I don't like care some, about it. It felt like they, they switched cards. Like they gave Malafleur the card from the preseason to call plays from. And then he yeah. was like, wait, this isn't the right one. He's like, but we're on the road. I can't go get it from like the office upstairs. Yeah. I guess uh, we'll okay. just run it. We'll yeah. run with this. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't have I mean, you know, I I do like the idea of kidnapping Jim Leonard. I think that's a really solid (laughs) idea and they should they should definitely look into that. But I mean, yeah, I mean, a a player or two here and there. I don't know. But just the offense just looked completely different from what we'd seen. And just I mean, even just again, the pre-snap stuff just looked different than what we've seen over the past two years, different than what I've been expecting all offseason. So just I don't know, just more of what we thought the floor was going to bring as opposed to some of those static looks there. they're, They're running out. Yeah, I agree. And it's hard to pinpoint, like you said, Dusty, changes for each one of those things. But I did write about that in my recap, too. Like, this this was Matt LaFleur's offense because it didn't look like it. I mean, we saw it last year and it was so creative and just unique. And they were doing all sorts of crazy things that everybody was excited about. And it was amazing. And they were really good and really efficient. And this was just like, I don't know what happened. It was so boring. It was so just... There was no creativity at all. And then, you know, something that I wish could have changed with Aaron Rodgers' decision-making, and I know it's kind of, I feel like for Rodgers, it's almost like a defense mechanism of like, they go down, they need to make a big play, he's going to look for Devontae, which I understand. But it just felt like 
he was forcing it to Devontae so many times when there were other guys open. I mean, even just being there in the game, and I know it's like harder to identify these things when you're in the stands and there's no replay versus on TV, but there were multiple times where Aaron Rodgers would throw the ball and he'd try to just make this weird decision to try to get it to Devontae, and there's somebody standing wide open. And um, the interception, I know he got hit in the nuts or the he got a double <laughs> hit to the nuts or whatever he said. But if I mean, it was in real time. You could see there was three people running with Devontae. So somebody was open because three people were running with Devontae and he was still trying to get it to Devontae when I'm pretty sure I can't, I'm trying to remember who was on the end there. I think it was Aaron Jones was on the end. So as far as like the decision making, just trust the guys. Yes, last year we saw that Devontae Adams obviously, you know, had all these touchdowns and it was crazy, but so many other guys scored and were playmakers on that offense. Why did what where was that? Why were we just seemingly forcing it to Devontae? You have Aaron Jones who the Packers just made the decision to stop running the ball. But he can be involved in the past, too. We've seen that he can do that. So it just felt like things were being forced, where last season it felt like things were very natural, that decisions that were made were in like they were just intuitive and everyone was on the same page. So, you know, I, don't, I know that's a lot to change, but I would just hope that we can see more of that creativity next week. Um, but... That's really it for me. I mean, I know Eric made a comment about 21 in for 20. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Kevin King, man, that 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 touchdown was tough. That was that wasn't pretty and it was deja vu from the one in the NFC Championship game. So It was. I mean, you also saw Rashawn Gary being held really yeah. badly in that play. Whatever, no big deal. But I think my big my big takeaway, the one thing I would – I guess he wanted to change three things. I'll change one thing. I, I want press coverage. I want to see cornerbacks <laughs> on top of wide receivers. I don't – I hate – and this will be referring to a question we get a little bit later down the road. But I hate 10, year, 10 yards off and, and letting wide receivers get this huge free release. It's just – mind-blowing um, that it continually happens for the Packers. And, I, I like, I want – like, Jair is, would be amazing, like, getting in somebody's face and talking crap to him and, like, nonstop, like, right in there. And I feel like Eric Stokes is that guy too. I feel like Eric Stokes is going to be in your face talking crap, taking, like, notes from Jair. I don't think Kevin King may be the guy that's going to be in your face talking crap because you'll run right by him. But – I think that's a that's what the Packers secondary should be, and that and everybody will thrive off of that. So that would be the thing I would change. Matthew Mesh uh, Meshnik, too many football questions, and I'm trying to forget Sunday even happened. Uh, so, what is your favorite depression food slash drink, uh, Dusty? Do you have anything that just like your go to if you're sad that you you know makes you feel a little bit better? If I'm in the middle of a depression, I, just, I actually don't want to eat. I just don't want to do anything. I just want to like, you know, lay around. So not really. Um, but if I'm kind of sad, you know, after a game, I don't know, like just we're sitting somewhere and there's wings and they've got beer generally if I'm out somewhere. So just more, more of whatever I was having before. Uh, so give me, give me some wings, uh, give me some beer and, uh, That'll be fine. You know, if we're drinking bourbon, give me some more bourbon. Just whatever was happening. I don't, because I don't, the thing is, I don't want to make decisions, you know? So it's just, if I'm somewhere, we went, we went out somewhere and me and my brother, we were watching the game. We were on a patio 
and you know everything was going you know just terrible in the second half and we're like i don't know if i want to stay here but also like we're out so I might as well just stay here and she's like well, what do you want to drink and i was like i don't whatever i had before like i don't I don't care because I don't want to think about it. I just want more of whatever the last thing I had was. So that's my answer. More of the other thing that I was just. Give having. me more of the numbing juice. <laughs> Do I don't feel what I, I don't want to think or feel. <laughs> you recall what I had. You had written it down. Just that. That again. Sarah, anything for you? Yeah. I mean, usually if I'm sad and pissed off, like I, I'm kind of the same way. Like I don't want to eat like I'm just like I'm sick to my stomach this is just sickening you know I that's how I felt after the Packers game I'm just like I can't like it was funny I had gone to the game with my dad my brother and my boyfriend and we came back to you know we drive back we get back to my parents house after and my mom's like helping us unload the car and we had packed all these snacks and the coolers and stuff and she's like you guys have so many snacks and food left over. Like, why didn't you eat anything? My dad just looks at her. He goes, nobody was hungry after the game. <laughs> nobody was hungry after that. So it was funny. She was like, so because she couldn't go with us. So she, she did the mom thing and she's like, I'm going to pack you guys all this stuff. And it was very sweet. But then everyone was just sick to their stomachs after they didn't eat. But if it's around something that is a good, sad meal is cold pizza. Because it's just there, you can still eat it, and it's good. But you have you put zero effort into it, and you can just take it out of your fridge and just eat it. And you're like, I'm sad. I'm eating food how it shouldn't be eaten, and I don't care. So cold pizza would be my answer if it's around and available to me. And the tears give it more flavor too, which is nice <laughs> yeah. for sure. For sure, I actually I would go on the same level of Sarah as I was thinking of topper sticks. So I don't know if you guys have toppers in Kentucky slash Florida. I've heard of them though. Okay, so. uh, bigger in Wisconsin for sure, but basically it's like cheese bread, like cheese sticks, yes. and they, they you know full on like big old square of them and oh my god they're amazing get some ranch get some you know you get like three toppings with their three dipping sauces with them so there's like garlic sauce there's nacho there's ranch they're like it's it's all it's all good like it's all very good and you feel super fat after eating them and that <laughs> fully goes into your depression but man some topper sticks after after a loss or whatever that's that's the way to go so our good buddy Sandro over in Germany. How mad are the haters going to be when we lift the Lombardi Trophy next February? So you got to love his optimism. What are you guys thinking? We'll, we'll go quick on this one, but Dusty, you still thinking this is a Super Bowl team? Yes, no. <laughs> I I am uh, just because, I don't know, I'm not going to let one game in week one. Week one's weird anyway. We've seen weird results in week one. Um, you know, let us not forget that the Saints had Montrevious Adams and at least one other dude, I can't remember who it was, uh, that they dropped like a week before the game as well. So maybe there's some intel stuff. I know that the, the Patriots have been a victim to that in the past. Not to throw conspiracy theories out there, but week one's weird in general. So, you know, I'd like a little more. I'm not going to let one game change uh, kind of what I thought in the offseason, but yeah, definitely we thought that a couple times uh, during the game. But uh, but right now I'm sticking to that. Yeah, I'm going to stick with it too. I mean, I definitely think they're still contenders. I don't want one game to change that. But like I said earlier, if they suck against the Lions, then I'm going to reconsider. <laughs> very fair. Very fair. Matt Pickett, uh, though it's a small sample size, what are you worried about for the Packers going forward? And what are you most excited about? And food, what 
what food excites you the most? So we've gone from the depression food to the food that most excites you. So I unprompted from Matt and uh, and Matt, Matt and Matt. Holy crap. Okay, Matt and Matt are asking about the food that depresses you and excites you. So uh, kudos, to, kudos to you guys. But uh, Dusty, let's start with you. What are you excited? What are you worried about for the Packers going forward? What are you excited about? And what food excites you? I mean, I'm I'm worried about the defense. I mean, this was it definitely was, and again, they they can write the ship. But uh, you know, all off season it was this. You know, they're they're bringing this daily defense in, and they're doing this too high, and they're spinning down, and and what are they going to do, and how are they going to handle this, and the multiple safeties, and you like what they see out of guys in the preseason, and you know that maybe they've got some some guys to hang up, you know, at the line, and blah, like all of the stuff we talked about, and then through one game, it was it wasn't even just like the scheme that killed them, like they were just getting bullied up front, man. Like kind of what we feared because it's, it's Kenny Clark who had a tremendous game. And then, you know, just no one else like Lancaster did nothing. Like it was just this, all of like the, the that was the big fear was like this defensive line. I thought, honestly, I thought Devondre Campbell, Devondre Campbell at inside linebacker. I haven't looked at him a ton, but I thought he looked good, uh, you know, being out there. So that was kind of nice, but the defensive line just got bullied and, you know, they made some mistakes on the back end and even just some of the, like the whole thing with Barry, you know, he had two stops, the defensive coordinator and he wasn't particularly good. And it was, well, you know, he's, he's taking his lumps, man. You know, he was behind Staley and Staley had him, was going to take him out to, you know, uh, LA with him. And then, you know, the Packers took him away. And so maybe he's learning, he's better. And then you just see guys, standing around trying to communicate and looking lost when the ball is snapped like just those things there like that's when you're trying to judge a coach or at least when i'm trying to judge a, judge a coach there's a couple things you're looking at and some of it is how fast do they play and do they know what they're doing and like there was just times and maybe that gets better but that communication i mean that was kind of an issue with capers as well but that communication like game one when you've you know all off season you've been hyping this and then it's they don't know what they're doing week one maybe that gets better as they're into it a little more but that's that's concerning to me so some of the on um, basically the defensive side and then what excites me i don't know i mean I, I still think this is gonna be a really good offense you know three points against the saints is not great but I think with the pieces, I do think MVS is primed to take a leap. Uh, and I think he's going to be very, very good. I think, you know, Adams is Adams. I'm really excited about Dylan. So, I mean, I, I, I'm just – I'm excited about the offense in general. I just think that maybe they need a week or two to, to get back into it or something. I'm not sure what's going on, but I do think the offense is going to be good. And a food that excites me the most, I don't know, the same stuff I eat when I'm sad probably because I'm, I'm at a game and I'm excited and I just want more of that. So, I don't know, wings, I guess. Wings make me happy. Uh, pretzels and beer cheese make me happy. Listen, I'm not a skinny man. A lot of food makes me happy. So, just what whatever's in front of me, I guess. For me, what am I worried about for the Packers? I, I think, Dusty, you had a great point about the defense. That's always an area I'm worried about. But something, you know, I'm worried about is just the – the play calling on offense. We already have talked about it, so I don't need to go into detail, but I just want it to be different, that it wasn't week one. I I want to go back to the good old days of the 2020 season where things were crazy and creative and outlandish because it worked. Um, so that's something I'm worried about. I, I hope that they can turn that around. What am I excited about? Um, I'm really excited about Jarier Alexander because that guy is just the best. I, he is so good. Um and I, you know, obviously he's been great every year for the Packers, but I really think this is the year that people are actually going to start talking about him a little more. Uh, we see it at times, you know, with national media, yes, they know who he is, but even just in the league, when people say, oh, top corners in the league, he, people don't bring him up and they should. 
So I'm excited about him because I think he's just going to continue to be a star um, and be one of the few bright spots on the Packers defense. Um, food, what, what food excites me the most? I, I don't know, a lot of food. Um, currently, I've been trying to perfect my own chicken fried rice recipe, like mm. homemade. So I'm going to go with that because that's been really exciting for me lately to try to figure that out because I think I'm very close to perfecting the recipe and a very easy one too. So I'll go with that. Um, but I've been enjoying experimenting with that. Um, I've, tr- I've tried to, during the off season, find some easy meal preps because I have to do that during the season because I don't have as much time to cook with work and games on the weekend and UCF games on Saturday too. So um, so that's been a good one. I've been excited about perfecting that. And yeah, maybe not the healthiest thing ever, but I've been having a good time. So we'll have to uh, discuss your recipe because I've, I've, I've had a few that are pretty good. So um, as far as me, the thing that I'm, ex- I'm worried the most about is the offensive line. David Bakhtiari being away for six weeks. That is clearly a big thing. And I know, LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers both said protections were good. And I I didn't see that. I didn't from watching the game. I haven't done a re rewatch of it at all, but I didn't see that as a really good protection. I saw there being multiple times that Rodgers was just pressured, sacked, all that kind of stuff. And I mean, if you're talking about good protection, talk to Jameis Winston. He was protected just, very yeah. well. He was protected very well. So that would be the thing I'm worried about. I, I want to see um, some growth from from the other guys that uh, are on the line that normally wouldn't be. So that's the thing I'm I'm worried the most about going forward. What I'm excited about again the offense. I think that's something that they're gonna they're they'll come back. There's no way that this this offense with Matt Lafleur the way that he calls plays normally that they're not going to score three points on average. So. That's something I'm, I'm sure is going to be hopefully an uptick for that. And then the food that excites me the most, it depends on what meal. But, um, you know, wings, like my birthday's coming up in a little bit. And I know I'll, like, my wife is already requesting, like, what do you want? What do you want? I'm like, I know it sounds horrible, but like, I want Buffalo Wild Wings. Like, I, I legitimately want that as my birthday meal. And uh, I'm gonna, that's what's going to happen. So that is the food that excites me the most. Our good buddy, Maggie Loney, always brings the heat with questions when she sends them. Would you rather get trucked by A.J. Dillon (laughs) or sacked by Zadarius Smith? Which then prompted like 17 responses on top of that. So thank you, Maggie, uh, for bringing extra attention to us. But Sarah, I'm going to start with you. Where are you going? Trucked by A.J. Dillon or sacked by Zadarius Smith? Yeah, I wish there was an option C, um, neither. <laughs> but if I had to pick one, I'd be sacked by Zadarius Smith. First of all, I had the opportunity to see AJ Dillon in person for the first time ever. That man is even larger in person than he is in pictures and on TV. I mean, my seats were they were good, but they were not. It's not like I was right on the field. You could you didn't even need to look at numbers, anything. This man's thighs were enormous from hundreds of feet of feet away. I just no way. So no, I, I would I think I literally tweeted during the preseason if I was AJ if I was if AJ Dillon was running at me, I'd simply move out of the way. And that is a hundred percent I stand by that. I would not, you know, necessarily love to be 
just act by Zedaria Smith either. But they're also, you know, he, we saw on Sunday, he can be flagged for that. They have to do it a certain way. A.J. Dillon, as a running back, he could just truck me over and keep running and stomp on me as he goes by and flash up the peace sign and go score a touchdown. So I'm going to go with getting sacked by Zadaria Smith, and I am moving out of the way if A.J. Right. Dillon is coming in my direction. The fun, the fun part is, is if you're on defense and you lower your head, you get called for a 15-yard penalty. If A.J. Dillon's coming at you and lowers his head, he just gets celebrated for that. Yeah, that's going to be on SportsCenter Top 10 the next day. Mm-hmm. So. He's, he's running you over. and then, Yeah, exactly. He's on SportsCenter. So, uh, Dusty, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I will say, you know, Z, we all know Zedaria should not have been flagged for that. But that was, you know, per, it should, it's perfectly legal hit that was flagged. That still was violent as all hell. Like, I don't want to get hit like that. But also, I don't want to get run over by AJ Dillon. I'm with Sarah. Can't I just be Jordan Love? Can't I just be like sitting on the sideline or something like all game? Yeah, like, can, that can Mason that Crosby, like, question. Yeah, no. Mason Crosby bad. accidentally, like, kicks the the football and it hits me. Like, I'll take that. Yeah. Over. yeah. Oh, no. Oh, so that, more, <laughs> more like Charlie Brown aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, so I'll, I'll go. pulls the football from you. Yeah, I'll, I'll go Z as well. I, I think, you know, unless it's like a blindside hit and you're just absolutely getting murdered beyond the rules in place. Like if you see that coming, you can like twist your body and you can kind of, you know, go down and kind of, you know, glancing blow or something if you want to. Like you you have control over that. Trucked is like you're right in the path, man. That's not like you're off to the side and trying to make a tackle. And then you're meeting AJ Dillon head on with his like, he seems like the nicest man, just the nicest man. But also his legs, man, <laughs> like he's just a big dude and you're trying to tackle him head on. No, I would die. I would literally die. So I'll go Z and take my chances that uh, that I can just kind of see him and, uh, and dodging it out of the way. I'm dying either way, really, but I, I've got a better chance of living with uh, with Zedarius, I think. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Brian Hartstead wants to know, big fan of Packer Day podcast, what one aspect of the Packers is the most critical to the uh, to them riding the ship? against the Lions, and then what alcoholic drink have you tried and will never drink again? So, Sarah, we're going to start with you because I don't know. I mean, is it beer that you're just never going to try again? Or <laughs> Yeah. Beer no, has gone be- bad, Steve. No, because I literally <laughs> have to try beer every time I eat with Bailey. So, it's like I have to keep trying it. It would probably be, and I know you guys are going to get mad, but like whiskey. I, I've tried whiskey because my dad drinks it, and it's just I can't. Like, I, it just it takes a while. It takes a long time yeah, to, to be able to get used to it. So I, I, that's just a no from me. Um, sure. As far as what aspect of the package is the most critical for the, to them riding the ship against the Lions? I mean, we talked about it. it's the offense. They they need to click. They need to do something. They need to score. They did not score a single touchdown. <laughs> so please, I mean, I don't know how it could be worse. I saw that Bleacher Report tweeted that Aaron Rodgers passer rating or QB rating, I can't remember which one, was worse than if he would have just thrown the ball in the dirt on every play. Mm -hmm. I don't even know how that's humanly possible. So I think I think it can only be up from here. But yeah, they have to click on offense. We've said it a thousand times on this podcast, but we are covering Packers offense versus Lions defense. So we're just going to keep hammering that point home. Yeah, and I think for me, I mean, it it is, you know, defense is a big one, but I mean, just specifically, I think it's offensive line. Um, You know, 
I think if they, you know, like I talked about a bunch, I won't, I won't harp on it, but if they can establish a line of scrimmage there, both like both in that outside zone uh, running game, and then also what they can do off of that from a passing perspective, like they'll, they'll murder the line. So I mean, if they, if they can get that offensive line moving in harmony, moving those guys off the line, they'll be fine. So, I mean, if that's, that's the thing, the offensive line's firing, man, things are going to open up. So that's, that's all I really need. Right. The ship, fix the offensive line. You're good as gold. What alcoholic drink have you ever tried? I, I don't know what there is. Um, makes me sound like an alcoholic, but I'm going to say I, I've not had it yet, but at some point I'm going to have Malort and then I'm going to say I'm never going to have that again. So whenever the first time I have that, that will be the last time. So I'm just going to, I'm telling future me um, that it's going to be Malort. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll, I'll agree with the guy, the things you guys just said about what needs to be righted offensive line for sure. A run game that kind of, it all marries together. Like you fix the offensive line that fix the run game that fix the play action pass that like it all, it, the way the Matt LaFleur offense runs, like you fix the one thing, everything's good. So get that going. And yeah, we talked about this before we even started recording and I've had Malort once. I was pretty damn drunk because uh, that's the reason I agreed to drink Malort. <laughs> and I couldn't tell you what it tastes like, but I remember that night, the next day, and every day following saying, I'm never going to drink that shit again. So, yeah, Malort, I, it, it, oh, God, it was, I, I can't. I just can't. So, Dusty, you're right on. Never, like, <laughs> if you'll have it once and you'll never have it again. So. All right, we've got one more question we've got uh, from Renee. He wants to know, when is the media going to grill Matt LaFleur about the corners always playing soft? Many times a season I get so frustrated that we give them a free release and our wide receivers always have sticky coverage on them. Also, your go-to lazy midnight snack. So, Dusty, let's let's start with you. What about the – are they gonna are they gonna talk to LaFleur? Are they gonna talk to Barry? I know there's been there's been a few questions here and there, but uh holding him to the fire, I don't think that's really happened quite yet. Yeah, and I mean and some of that is like you said, I mean LaFleur is the offensive guy. I mean, he has been asked about that. And last year that was well, that's Petten, and now it's gonna be Barry. And you know, ultimately the floor does have to answer for that because he's that head coach, but that's that's not his scheme. And he can tell guys, you know, I at some point if he wants to put his foot down, he's that coach, he can say, Listen, I don't want those guys doing that, but also there's a whole lot to like defensive scheme and structure that even just putting guys up on the line or moving some of those guys around kind of can can kind of change that structure now again like that's that's kind of a maybe the structure is bad if you can't do that well like there's there's pluses and minuses on both sides of that there's pros and cons of that but i mean i, I if lafleur wants those guys up there he can get those guys up there but it's not it's not always just as easy as saying get those guys up on the line because then you've got kevin king up on the line and kevin king is not a press corner so it's there's a whole lot that goes into it he has been asked about it he will likely be asked about it again i i mean i'm you know steve you touched on that a little earlier i mean i think you know, the sign of a good coach is coaching to your talent coach, you know, being able to change, being able to, to, to modify some of that stuff, depending on the talent you have. And we saw that with, uh, with Staley last year uh, with the Rams, with, with some of that stuff that he was doing with like, you know, uh, he treated Ramsey, moved Ramsey around a different way. Ramsey, he didn't necessarily put into his scheme. I mean, he had, I mean, it was put into a scheme, but he'd alter that based on what Ramsey and what Donald could do. So, I mean, altering game plan to some of your best players. Yeah. I don't think that he should have, guys up on the line press co- press coverage every single time but 
you know, Jair should probably be doing that a little bit more. Like you can treat some of those stars. You can you can run those games. You can do some of the stuff a little differently with your stars than you can with your non-stars. So I don't want to see press coverage all the time. You know, a lot of that, what that is, is you know, I hate to say it, but some of that stuff is rally and tackle and the Packers have had issues with that. But I would like to see a little more kind of um, not necessarily preferential treatment, but but kind of running some of that stuff through some of the star players, doing what they do well and and allowing them to work a little bit more than what we've seen. And maybe we will see that as it goes on. But I, the answer is not press coverage every single time because that's not that's just not how this works. If there was one defense that that worked, every single team would run that every single time. It's just it's there's more to it than just saying that. But I would like to see, you know, maybe that utilized, especially with Jair a little bit more than what we have been seeing. Um and also lazy midnight snack. I don't know, man. I'm a big fan of just cereal at night. Like I don't we don't keep a ton of snacks in the house. So like and we have kids. So if it's snacks, it's like goldfish crackers, you know? Like I'll do some goldfish crackers at night, but just I don't know. Bowl of cereal. I'll do a bowl of cereal at night. I like that. Chips and salsa, maybe. Again, I I just whatever's in the house. Just whatever we have on hand, I will eat. Yeah, and for me, I mean Dusty pretty much went and sat it all, but as far as when are, is the media going to start grilling the coaching staff a little more? I think, you know, it's early in the season. Yes, it was a horrible performance on Sunday. But, hey, if Kevin King gets burnt or does something really bad one more time that's super public and hard to ignore, I have a feeling that the media is going to start asking a lot more questions about the defense. And beyond just, you know, scheme and what they're doing, they're just going to go, what the hell is happening, basically? Um, and this has got to change. Um, as far as midnight sack, um, I am a huge pretzels and goldfish person. So I combine in this tub um, pretzels and then goldfish. And I eat that like all the time. Everyone at work makes fun of me because I always have a bag in my purse. Um, that's what I eat all the time. So if I'm just hungry and it's late and I'm just looking for something, I'm probably just going to grab that because it's right there and available. And I always no, I have a bunch of it. Like I buy the massive tub of goldfish just because I use it so much. So I always have goldfish on hand. Now, is it the pretzels or the pretzel goldfish? No, so it's pretzels and goldfish. So I and then what buy- type of what type of pretzel do you use? Because there's multiple different options. Yeah, so usually I use rolled gold of any kind. So I'll do the sticks, the traditional looking ones. But I do sometimes if the pretzel goldfish are on sale i'll mix it in so it's usually rolled gold pretzels or pretzel goldfish mixed in with rainbow goldfish as far as pressing the the media pressing the coaching staff i honestly i don't really expect that to happen anytime soon i mean six seven games into it sure but i i really don't expect like they're gonna give joe barry a little bit of breathing room they're gonna They'll they'll ask they'll ask them about it, but it won't be it won't be grilling them. So I, I think you have to wait a little bit while for that to go down. And then as far as a late night snack, my go to is always just a, a very simple quesadilla where I'll just throw a little bit of, of like the Pam spray onto the pan, do two tortillas and chihuahua cheese and man, that thing's done in like four minutes and it's hot and it's good. And yeah, that always hits real well <laughs> if I'm uh, staying up a little bit later at night. So that's my go-to. 
Well, guys, that's going to do it. Uh, we've got the crew back together again to talk about week two. And, uh, it, you know, it probably was my fault that we, you know, the Packers lost because I, I was at the Brewers game, so we didn't have the official team mm-hmm. together for the Pack-A-Day podcast, and that's probably why the Packers lost. So that that's on me. I, I Thanks, apologize. Steve. Yep. Thanks for that. Uh, that's why I'm apologizing now. So uh, let's let's do some closing thoughts, though. So, Sarah, what do you got for us? Yeah, so uh, my recap up on – Monday night, almost said Sunday, but on Monday night, um, it'll be late, but it might be a good read in the morning when you're getting ready for work, you know, doing whatever you do in the morning. Um, so definitely be on the lookout for that. I'm excited. You know, the last one I wrote in the car, I thought I was going to throw up because I was getting car sick trying to write it. Luckily, <laughs> a lot of it was just that really sucked and the Packers didn't score re- essentially at all. Um, but I'm excited to hopefully have a bit more to dive into um, it also is a little more difficult to watch the game in person and have analysis on it um, as deep as I go into some of those recaps versus when I am at home and I have double monitors and I'm able to fast forward, pause, rewind on the TV and look at things. So I am excited to kind of have those resources again um, and hopefully just watch the Packers do better than they did the week <laughs> before. I, I'm i just excited to write about it. Um, and thank you guys for the support. I had a lot of people that enjoyed my satire of what went right (laughs) literally nothing what went wrong literally everything offensive mvp and defensive mvp literally no one so (laughs) glad that you guys appreciated that one um but it's always fun and i'm excited to be back with those and get more feedback from you guys it's been you know even though it was a bad week for the packers it was still fun to be back um and writing those recaps so excited to keep it going yeah, for me, I mean, first of all, man, RIP Norm McDonald. Uh, that news came through today, and that sucks, man. I mean, SNL, I've not watched SNL in a while, but SNL was such a huge part when I was a kid, and, and a huge part of that, you know, I should not have been watching it as a kid, but we snuck it as a kid. Uh, Norm McDonald and Weekend Update was just, I mean, still just some of that stuff just absolutely kills me. And, you know, his his post stuff, I don't think ever gets a ton of love, but, you know, Dirty Work and, and Screwed, they did with Dave Chappelle and some of his work at the ESPYs, his... <laughs> One, his one time hosting the ESPYs when they kicked him off and never let him back again or his <laughs> roast or even like the comedy album he did or some of oh stand up like roast the classic. roast of Bob Saget if you haven't seen that <laughs> go watch the roast of Bob Saget it is iconic like you actually you legit stole this this is my note says my closing <laughs> thoughts is RIP uh, Norm Macdonald so thank you for doing that considering we didn't talk about it but man so many good things like Ugh. I watched his. Uh, I watched his uh, the moth joke he did on Conan. That I don't know if you've seen that, Steve, but it's it is a it's a four minute just the most meandering joke with just a tremendous <laughs> payoff and like the entire time Conan's just nodding like waiting for it to go on. It's just this. It, it's that's tremendous. He's got a bit on his comedy album about um, Mr. Fantastic coming up with the names for the Fantastic Four. That still kills me because he's like, you're a rock like thing. You're the thing. You're invisible. You're a girl. You're the invisible girl. I have a fantastic power. My name is Mr. Fantastic. They're like, well, hold on. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Is that he's just a tremendous deadpan talent. Um, 61. Just absolutely sad that celebrity deaths don't always get me, but he was such a huge part of, of kind of my younger life and some of the, the comedy I ended up getting into that, that one, that one really hit me. So RIP Norm McDonald, just an absolute legend. Um, and then, you know, moving on to football stuff, sadly, uh, you know, today I've got, um, I'm hoping we'll see the all 22 was very tough to come by. Uh, but hoping I'll, I'll have a piece up on cheesehead today. Uh, kind of about a few passing concepts, actually, 
really just a running concept and a passing thing they built off of that. It's tough to pick anything good to kind of look at based on what we saw, but some interesting stuff to look at still. And then also today, hopefully a um, piece on Packer Report about a pressure and then one later this week about a couple of passing concepts of Packer Report as well. So got some stuff in the works. Um, I didn't really get my hands on anything until basically an hour before we started recording. So I got to kind of blitz through some of this stuff, but uh, should have some stuff up. Nice to be writing about uh, regular season football again. And then uh, the last thing up, uh, I'm going to be at the game uh, this Monday. I'm going up with uh, going to the game with one Mr. Andy Herman and Maggie Loney and Perry Goldstein. So I'm very, very excited. Um, I'll be at the uh, Green Bay Distillery the night before. Game on Wisconsin's doing a big meetup there with, you know, Jacob Westendorf and the entire crew there. Uh, So I'm going to show up there at some point. Depends on when my car pulls in, I guess, because I'll be leaving that morning from Kentucky. But, yeah, so uh, come say hi if you're up in that area to the Game on Wisconsin thing on Saturday or on Sunday, sorry. And then I'll be at the game on Monday. So hoping for uh, hoping for a big 40, pa- 40 point win on Monday now that I can just really, really get into it and enjoy. So should be fun. Football season's back. It's hard to get excited about it with a 38-3 loss, but uh, football season's here and I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Outstanding. Well, since you stole my closing thought, I Sorry. think we'll just. Nah, it's okay. It's it. It sucks, man. He was a he was a hell of a talent, and he was just he was funny in a unique way, which you don't have too much anymore. So, uh, sucks that it happened, but um, yeah. I mean, I, I'm excited for the for the football season to keep going. I went four and zero on uh, my fantasy leagues this week, so I just wanted nice. to pat myself on the back for that. So that was a good time. So. Uh, but we will be back next week. As always, make sure you follow us on Twitter at uh, Packaday Podcast, at Sarah Calhoun 4, at Steve Perhatch, at Dusty Evely. And um, yeah, I appreciate you guys always for the interactions. We will do a breakdown of the game, do a breakdown of the Packers offense versus the defense they're facing that week, and then uh, kind of go through everything again. So thank you guys for listening. We will catch you next week. And as always, go Pack Go!